day. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 1, says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. And that's the word of the Lord to us this morning as we continue on in our study of Ephesians. And um, you can already tell this morning's a little different than, than normal, right? Like we don't usually break out and pray. I love that, by the way. Praise the Lord. Thank you for engaging in that. That is so good. But as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, I'm going to be a broken record because we really, really need to get this. Paul starts out in the book of Ephesians telling you everything about what Jesus did and who you are in him because of Jesus. Remember, if you are in Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's chapter one, right? That before the foundation of the world, he chose us to be in Jesus. Remember that? God chose you in Jesus before the foundation. His whole plan was that Jesus would come in love and, and adopt you to himself. That, he, that you would be adopted. And this is all according to the glorious grace which he lavished upon us. Remember that? Remember that picture of like, the grace that God gives is like my six-year-old with the syrup bottle on Saturday morning, and it just doesn't stop. Remember that. Every time you have syrup, remember God's lavish grace, unless you're stingy with it. Then stop. Put on more syrup. And remember God's grace, because it's amazing. And he's called us He's called us, and he's called us his, his inheritance. He treasures us so very much. He treasures us so much. And then we learned about these heavenly places, right? And we learned that these heavenly places is this place of spiritual activity, right? Where God is in heaven because God is spirit. Remember that? And we looked at the five different places in Ephesians where we, we see heavenly places. We see that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That Jesus, when he rose from the dead, when he ascended to the Father, is seated at the right hand of the Father, where? In the heavenly places. And then it says, when you are born again, when you come to saving faith in Jesus, you then now are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Spiritually speaking, that is you now. That is where you are. 
And he actually gives us an insight as to why that is the case. He then goes on to say the church is there so that the rulers and the authorities, like demons and things like that, would see God's wisdom of his grand plan for redemption. Because in the church, as we're filled by the Spirit of God, the powers see, wow, Jesus has done something amazing here in these people. Oh, what a vision for the church. Amen? What a vision for the church. Actually, now seated in a place of authority that the the evil powers have no place in our life. And so then Paul goes on. That's the first three chapters. And then Paul goes on and he he switches it into, okay, this is great and this is true and this is wonderful. But the reality is we still live here in this earth where the rulers and authorities still have an effect on people, right? Has anybody seen or noticed that there's evil in the world? That's what I'm talking about. We still deal with it, right? And so then Paul says we still deal actually with the effects of it in our own lives, and we still are prone to that old way of life. So what does he say? He says put on, like actually make an effort to put on the new self. We have to walk in the ways of Jesus. Be imitators of God, therefore, as what? Beloved children, right? That's what it says in chapter 5, I believe. Yeah, chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. That's our, that's our job. We actually get to walk this out. And I know this is all review, and it, I say it all the time, but this is it. If my job as a pastor for the next however long I've got, I mean, I'll be doing this whether I'm employed by a church or not. If my one job in life before God is anything, it's going to be to tell you how amazing Jesus is and how you get to walk with him and be transformed by him. And that's it. That's, that's all we've got. So have a great day. No, but even Paul, he says all that and he gets into the details of our lives, right? And we've looked at how sexual immorality and covetousness should not even be named among the people of God. We've looked at how when we actually get a grasp and a hold of this holy God, Jesus, who bought us with a price, it's not so that we can just be saved and, and, and get to heaven one day. It's so that God gets in us, that his kingdom, his will, his ways come on earth as it is in heaven, in us and through us. And so that gets into our real life, right? Like, that's not just, like, nice things to listen about on a Sunday morning. That's like you go to work tomorrow, and that coworker drives you crazy, and you respond like Jesus to them. Or you go home this afternoon, and your kids decide to just be, at, like, absolutely hangry. You get to respond like Jesus to those kids. Because it gets into every part of our life. And this is just a continuation this morning of all of that. Because in chapter 5, we saw, be filled with the Spirit. 
addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And then last week we looked at, well, a spirit-filled person living out their life. What does that look like in a marriage? What does that look like to be filled with the spirit and loving your spouse? He starts with like the closest relationship that we, that we have on earth. How does that look like? Well, that looks like a lot of self-sacrificing love, doesn't it? A lot of submission, doesn't it? Because that's the way of Jesus in all relationships. So we looked at that last week. And this week we come to a passage and we see it's really a continuation of this idea of being submitted, which means being submitted is putting the needs of the other before yourself. Really simply put, it's, put, it's putting this person and coming under them to, and, and just putting your own needs aside to make that person better, to bring that person up to the Lord, to make, just like embrace and honor the people. That's what Jesus did. God, God came to earth as a child and he went to his death on a cross, like the most powerful, most wonderful humbled himself to take the form of a servant. And so he set the example. That's the gospel. That's God's kingdom is completely upside down, right? From what we would think we should do to gain power and, and happiness. It's like God's kingdom is so upside down. So we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what it said in chapter 5. And so this is all a part. There's a heading in your Bible, but it's the same thought. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I don't know, how, looking around, there's not too many of you guys. Uh, kids that are living at home still. Children, listen, careful. If you just listen to the next one or two minutes, that's all you need to hear today, okay? Kids, good? Got your attention? Right on. I'm not much of a Sunday school teacher, I know. But um, kids, children, this is what it says. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. I love the simplicity of this passage. It's so simple, kids. It's really, really simple. Obey your mom and dad because it's just because it's right. It's the right thing to do. Because Jesus, the God who is so loving and so good and has such a good plan for your life, has set it up this way, and it is just right. It is good for you. It's, it's, this is what it says. And it's quoting Exodus chapter 20 here. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Listen to that, kids. There's a promise if you obey mom and dad, okay? There's a promise here that it would go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What that is meaning is that this is God's best plan for your life. This is God's best plan. Just that promise was given to Israel right before they were, well, it was a, quite a while actually before, but in the, in the Bible, right before they would go into the promised land. And God said, live this way. And things are, you're going to stay in that place for a long time. You're going to be in the promised land. God's, you'll stay in God's promises for a really long time. If you follow this, this is God's best plan for your life. Obey your parents. Okay, kids, cool. Obey your parents, honestly, just because it's right and because it's going to go real good for you. That's all it says. 
And then we have a word for fathers. <clears throat> and note here, so in, in verse 1 it says, children obey your parents. And then in verse 4 it says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. So mothers, you do what you want. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't take that this morning. And this is on screen, so you could like soundbite and clip that and just make me look like a terrible person. No, but it switches to fathers here because there's an important role that fathers play in, in, the, in their children's life to lead their children. And fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Um, lead, we'll finish, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction of who? The Lord. I want to hear it. Who are you bringing your children up in the discipline and instruction of? The Lord. It's the Lord. It's not Dave's discipline and instruction. It's not Andrew's discipline and instruction. We need to know what his discipline and instruction is. Okay? We need to actually spend time in this word in prayer, discerning for your kids, because we have six kids, and none of them get parented the exact same way, because God has discipline and instruction in different ways for each one. And man, that's work, isn't it? To get the will of God for each kid? Man, is, can't you just like read a book and figure it out? The booksellers would like to make you think so, but you can't. You need to humbly just come before Jesus and be like, God, I know what is right generally from your will, but what? how do I lead this kid right now? How do I lead this kid? Do not provoke your children to anger. There's so many ways that can play out, and you know it. It doesn't mean don't do anything that your kid might respond in anger to. That's not what that means, or we wouldn't do anything. Right? That's, that's not what that means. But don't purposefully, just mindlessly batter your kid and, and, and embit, some, <clears throat> some translations say embitter or what, I don't know what, uh, uh, no, that's a different passage, it's Colossians, never mind. You know how to lead your kids and where your heart is at as to whether you're just trying to poke them and prove a point, or are you actually wanting what's best for them in the Lord? You know that. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you know that. So I'm going to leave that with us today because we got a lot to get through. But it's simple. Kids, obey your parents because it's right and it's going to go good for you. Fathers, love your kids don't be overbearing. Don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline because God disciplines his kids and in the instruction of the Lord. Teach them about God. Even when you're teaching them to obey you, don't teach them to, you have to obey me. Obey me because this is what Jesus wants. Jesus, and, and teach them about the forgiveness and grace of God in the obedience, just like we do here. There's a way for you in your sin, child, in your disobedience, to be forgiven. 
but you've got to obey because it's going to go so, so much better for our family if you do. And of course, I give the caveat where this is talking about a healthy Christian family unit here, right? And I know there's abuses and things that happen, and you don't have to sit under that. I just need to clarify that because there's always people that ask after. Um, you don't need to sit under that. You do need to not become bitter at people, but you don't need to be in a dangerous place, okay? Like, we, we, love, we love kids, and, and, and so did Jesus, and if people are in a dangerous spot, we move in as, as the church and help, right? But kids... Obey your parents. Fathers, bring your kids up in, in the ways of Jesus. So we're going to move on here. Uh, <clears throat> and the first word of uh, verse 5, say, mine says bondservants. Any other translations? Slaves, yeah. So most, most of you are probably reading maybe NIV or something like that where it says slaves. And so there's this, <clears throat> this Greek word, and it gets translated as slaves or or bond servants, and um, and so it's a tricky thing for us, a, a little less for us than maybe if you live in the southern states, um, because we don't have the same history, same history of of slavery as as the southern states do. It's a this is, becomes a very difficult passage for for some, but I want I want us to try if we can. I like the word bond servant here better because it more captures what was happening in Ephesus in those days. Um, slavery, for the most part in that time, first of all, this is, not, this is not condoning slavery. What Paul is doing here is he's speaking to something that's happening and something that's, that's just going on. A bondservant, a slavery, you could be sold into slavery in this context in Ephesus, but many times people would willingly put themselves in there um, slaves also had freedoms. They could marry. They could own property, things like that. Bond servants, um, for the most part, in that in that area, in that time in history, people would sign up to be a bond servant, and then they'd sign their lives over for seven years. In Rome, specifically, sometimes it would be fourteen years, and then they'd have they'd have opportunity. To, to be free. There was all sorts of legislation around it, and there were rights for slaves at that time. And I know it still sounds like, well, how could you even do that? Um, Paul is speaking to a church that's in the midst of this situation, okay? He's not saying this is the best plan, but these people are in this situation, right? So we have bond servants. We also have masters, right? People that own bond servants and slaves, and the crazy thing is, if you stop and think about it, both of them now, slaves, masters, slave masters, are coming to Jesus, and both are coming and having, getting to worship together and be brothers and sisters in the church together. And it flips their hierarchy and their society completely on its head. But Paul here doesn't say, Make sure you get out of your circumstance at all costs. Slavery is evil. What's more important than your circumstance is your character and how you live the life of the way of Jesus. 
It says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Put yourself in that position. Not, it's not bondservants or slaves, obey your masters, just suck it up and do it, because you're gonna, really going to stick it to him when he can't figure it out. That's not, I have like, heard that attitude preached so much. It's horrific. It's anti-heart of Jesus. What does it say? It says, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. Obey your masters as you would Jesus. Obey them. It's the same picture as wives submitting to your husbands and husbands loving it and cherishing and submitting to your wives. It's that same picture, right? You are no longer your own. With a sincere heart, with a sincere heart, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of who? Christ, doing the will of God from the duty. No, from the heart. From the heart. Doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with the good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bondservant or is free. No matter what situation you're in, you get to live the gospel on full display. Whether rich or poor, man or woman, slave or free, you are all in Christ Jesus and get to live that out in your lives because you've been forgiven, because you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, because you have a hope that is coming that is sure and an inheritance. And this even talks about you get a reward for everything you do, and it's so good. We get so focused on this, like, we're going to turn it into, into our current context. Some of you are employees, and some of you are employers, okay? Submit and work for your boss like your boss is Jesus. That's what it says. Work for your boss like your boss is Jesus. And then bosses, managers, if you have people under you, do the same, it says, and stop threatening Stop exercising your worldly authority. That's not how the authority of Jesus works. Humble yourself, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality. See, because in this situation, there are situations where there are slaves and their masters are not Christians, right? And you need to show the love of Jesus extravagantly to that person. It's an evangelistic, wonderful opportunity. There are slaves and masters, and both of them are Christians, to which they just really got to get together and say, actually, you're not my master. Actually, you're not my slave. We both have the same master, and that is Jesus. And you get to work together in the same context, but you recognize that, your master is Jesus. And then there's masters who have slaves, masters who are saved that have slaves that aren't. 
And they, they had, what a wonderful opportunity to be like Jesus to those people. And just bless your employees extravagantly. It's uh, embarrassing to me that I have, so I, I was um, in the trades for about 10 years, and um, pretty much most companies I talked to said that Christians were some of the worst workers, and most Christian employers that I know have been labeled as the worst bosses. That's embarrassing. That's not just like before me. That's before Jesus. Work as unto the Lord, right? You know what it is, and I'm just going to, I feel this isn't Bible, this is me, so take it for what it is. But as I'm in prayer about this, I feel like the Lord's given some wisdom in, you know, as Christians, we talk about all that Christ has given to us, right? And sometimes we can get entitled. How can they treat, especially a Christian with a non, non-Christian employ, employer, how could they treat me that way? I deserve better than this. I'm, I'm a child of the king. Yeah, but that king humbled himself to death. And so do you get to do the same. And employers, man, some of them I've literally heard, I've had conversations, don't they know that they're just supposed to submit to me? See, and then it's backwards, it's upside down, isn't it? From the way of Jesus. Everyone, get on your face before the Lord in humility and put others before yourself, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. And this is the part, there's no stool here, that's fine. I'll stand. This is the part where um, this, uh, how many of you, as we read, were gripped when I read, doing the will of God from the heart? I was. I was doing the will of God from the heart. We have been talking here about, um, we've been talking here a lot about being filled with the Spirit. And apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And we need our hearts to, to be loving God. Otherwise, what's the point of all of this? Remember the letters to the churches in Revelation. They were doing the ministry and doing the stuff, but they forgot their first love. And Jesus said, oh, that's gross. There's one that was lukewarm. He said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. To another, he said, I'm going to remove your lampstand because you don't love me. 1 John 5, verses 3 to 4. I should have that memorized, but I'm not confident enough yet to just say it. But for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Any of you at work just like, I, I got to submit to this jerk? Are you kidding me? Or is it like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I get to show your love to these people today. That's the difference. 
That is the difference of being filled with the Spirit and just doing this because you feel like you have to. We get to. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith in Jesus. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I, I preached a message about being filled with the Spirit and gave us opportunity. I feel like some of us, now this is, this is almost could be labeled judgmentalism territory, and hear it not as judgment, hear it as I so desperately want you to encounter Jesus. Only a couple folks come up after we talk about the need for the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. Only a couple folks come up and desire that. What? I want us to, I'm, I'm going to read this. How, how many of you have heard from about this guy named John Hyde? He, he wrote a little book called Praying Hyde. Uh, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a really short book. You, everybody can read it. It's really, really good. Praying Hyde. So he was a missionary. And I'm going to read this little passage out of this book called They Found the Secret, which, spoiler alert, it's just a, a book about a whole bunch of like kind of champions of the faith over, over history. And uh, guess what the secret is? You can't do anything without the filling of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so here's John Hyde's story. Just a snippet. Angrily, John Hyde crumpled the letter and threw it down on the deck of the steamer. He felt sure he was justified in feeling resentful at the content of that letter. He was not a missionary. Or, sorry, was he not a missionary? Already on board ship, leaving the shores of America for India? Was not his father an outstanding clergyman? Was not he a child of the man's, a graduate of Christian college and of a seminary? Who should tell him that he needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit for effective service abroad? Did this friend think that he had not received the baptism of the Spirit, or that he would think of going to India without this equipment? John Hyde was angry. But by and by, better judgment prevailed, and he picked up the letter and read it again. Possibly he did need something that he had not yet received. It is recorded that as a result of that letter and the question it raised in his mind, John Hyde gave himself to much prayer for the rest of the voyage. It was a pretty long voyage, America to India, on a boat. Praying that he might indeed be filled with the Spirit and know by actual experience what Jesus meant when he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost is coming upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. How the Lord answered that heart cry during the long voyage to India, Hyde gave us no indication. As though the outworking of the Holy Spirit through his life in India would be ample testimony of it. This guy, been through seminary, raised by a pastor, had everything figured out. Believer in Jesus, going to be a missionary in India and give his entire life to it. 
I feel that there's many, I'm not saying it's everybody, okay, but there's people here that need to hear this today. There are people here that are like, why do you keep saying this? I don't need it, and are offended at the fact that I'm saying you need to be filled with the Spirit, folks. Do you know why? Because the fruit of our lives should be ample testimony to prove it. And I, and I just see people struggle with some simple things like submitting to their bosses, or bosses treating your workers well, or husbands and wives submitting to each other and loving each other well. And I see people who care far more about how their yard looks and getting rid of dandelions than the souls of their neighbors. And again, this is not judgment towards us, but a sober look at be filled with the Spirit to get into our lives. To get into our hearts and our lives. Galatians 2.20. You guys know that one. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, who loved me and gave himself for me Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Pastor Nick and I were talking this week, and we're like, why, why does it seem that people seem to want this but never get there? And there is a seeking that you have to do with all your heart. You actually have to stop chasing whatever you're chasing in this world, and come to Jesus. Thankfully, thankfully, Mr. Hyde had a whole voyage on a boat. But don't you think it's worth just taking time out? Don't you think it's worth just taking time out to get this right? I think it's worth it. It's worth sleepless nights. Trust me, it's worth it. Because it doesn't matter your circumstance or your situation or how you come to Christ as an employer, or employer, or a slave, or free, or it doesn't matter who you are. We all need the Holy Spirit or we are dead without him. And then anything we do without the Holy Spirit filling us is, is just us. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then I actually kind of believe that Jesus and his apostles actually told the truth and his commandments are not burdensome. <laughs> I actually believe that. I actually believe that there is a place of holy living and joy that is possible. And you know where it starts? It starts with humility. Just like John Hyde, you can listen to this and be like, oh, are you kidding me? I've been ministering forever. Pause and take a good look. How, how's the fruit in your life? Are you still struggling with these things? Because I think we need to be filled with the Spirit to greater measure here in this place. I humbly submit that to you. I need it every day. As Pastor Nick and I were talking, we're like, because they're going on a retreat next week. We're like, why do retreats 
and camps work so well. Because you guys finally get away from your televisions and take three days to just actually pursue God. Because if you seek me, you will find me. You don't have to go away. You don't. And I get it. It's hard. We have kids and jobs and life and family. And I'm like, you know what? I, like, I know I'm employed by the church now, but I also have a lot of kids and job and life and family. And I humbly submit to you that the only reason I come to Jesus is not because I can be better. It's because he's the best thing ever. <laughs> and so today, children obey your parents as unto the Lord. Fathers, love your kids and bring them up in the instruction and the ways of the Lord, not, not as burden. Employers, just absolutely radically generous. Employees, work your tail off in love as unto the Lord, joyfully. See, just see how that works for you. And if it's a burden, goodness, run to Jesus, get filled up. <laughs> I came in this morning burdened. I got on my face before Jesus, and I love sharing his good news. Because when you get with Jesus, you can just go from that place and know that everything's all right. It doesn't matter. And, and nothing matters but being knowing Jesus. This is eternal life, that they know you the, and the one whom you sent, Jesus said to the Father. Eternal life is knowing God. So I invite you to that this morning. Let's, let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Father, there are those in this room that really want to know that experience of the Holy Spirit so that they could live changed lives that honor you. Lord, there's a vast range here. Some have been told that they just get it in full measure when they just believe in Jesus, and we've already seen that that's not true from your word, that we need to be continually filled. Jesus, you said that when you send the Holy Spirit, we will do the same things that you did. Huh. You came to seek and to save the lost. You came to bring peace on earth, goodwill to men. You're so good. And so, Lord, help us get out of the you're so good and it's for me mindset. It's so good, fill me so that you can do it in everybody else around me. And that's how we find joy and peace and love in the Lord Jesus when we obey you and we walk in step with you. And we know you more, and it's just wonderful. So Lord Jesus, I pray that people would respond to your Holy Spirit. As, as folks here right now, I know are convicted in their hearts. Lord Jesus, who cares what people think beside you, does not matter, but that we would be filled with the power of God himself for your glory, that you would further your kingdom on earth. Come on, Lord, pour out your spirit. If you want that, just pray right now, Lord, I receive your spirit. Lord, pour out your spirit on your people.
so that we can live. These things that you call us to, we want to stand by what you call us to in your word and obey and walk it out. But we want to walk it out in love, not burdensome, with sincerity from the heart. Lord Jesus.